Storytelling is not a place where you show how intelligent you are or how big your vocabulary is. This happens all the time, I feel. You start your pitch, you start your meeting, and all of a sudden, the meeting has an unexpected turn. What could happen if we don't remediate these vulnerabilities? I'm glad you asked. These are the things that could happen. Who in the world are you speaking to? That's when it starts to resonate. That's when they say, ah, I get what you're trying to do. I understand how this applies to me and why this is important for us to execute. Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again to the live stream. We are back at it. Big thank you and shout outs to everyone that is here today. Drop a message in the live chat. We're going to be bringing them out throughout the live stream. But most importantly, what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about a topic that is so essential to life, so essential to cybersecurity but something that we don't get a lot of practice in, and that topic is storytelling. We're going to break down some lessons that we've learned, but also give you all of the tips and tricks that you need to master storytelling and cybersecurity. I've been obsessed with storytelling my entire life. My mom used to tell me stories when I was a kid. She used to write books, and I used to tell stories myself. And I didn't realize it, but even in my cybersecurity career, I started off in the very beginning telling stories, but sometimes you could tell a bad story. Everyone's seen a bad movie every once in a while. Uh, I remember there was a point in time when I was in the intelligence community and I wrote about a 180 page story. I had a team of folks, team of analysts putting together information and it was 180 pages and it was very technical, very, very deep. And I wondered, did anyone actually read that report? Because I mean, it's 180 pages, a lot of technical information, but did it really tell the story that we were trying to get across to the folks that needed to read it? This is one of the things that I think about all the time when it comes to storytelling, right? When you tell a story, you have to understand who that audience is. You have to understand why would they care and what is the intended outcome? Are you telling a story to make someone laugh? Are you telling a story to make someone introspective and think about their life? Are you telling a story to change something in cybersecurity? Whenever we get in front of people, we tell stories and we tell it from our aspect. We tell it from our perspective. But when we put people in the story, when we bring the audience into the story, that's when the magic happens. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Who has time to read a 180 page work document? Uh, let alone, you know, sometimes people don't even have a, that type of time to read a 180 page book. Um, but what I found to be interesting, you know, especially when you look at the psychology of storytelling is that storytelling is the original pen and paper. If you have a great story, maybe there is that opportunity to tell that 180 page paper. There needs to be a lot of scenic details, a lot of nutrient dense information that's good to chew on mentally. Um, but without that, it's not, you might just, you know, read it and forget it. I can't tell you how many times I've read a technical book and, you know, five hours later, 
I'm like, what did I just read? I completely forgot everything. There wasn't any scenic details. And I wasn't able to relate to that story as a human being. Yeah, when we were talking about this topic uh, with the rest of the Hacker Valley team, uh, Jen Langdon, who is uh, one of our newest producers, uh, she was talking about her perspective on storytelling. And the way she put it, I thought was so incredible. She said it's akin to genetic code passing down from generation to generation, because that is how we pass down knowledge. We would pass down stories to teach. We would pass down stories to entertain. We would pass down stories to really just give context, tell people where they come from, tell people where, where not to go, tell people about the great people that have come before us. Storytelling is really that way to convey information and have it lock into your mind. Because when you're creating a story, it's about tying it to an emotion of some sort. If you, do, if you just give me a bunch of information with no tie to, to emotion, it's, you're right, it's gonna be really easy to forget. But if I'm able to tie it to inspiration, if I'm able to tie it to even anger in some ways, and of course you could use something like fear, but in cybersecurity, you know, we stay away from that fear, uncertainty and doubt. But if you're telling a scary story, it applies. So when you're looking at storytelling, using it as that pen and paper, being able to pass that information on to someone else, Tying it to emotion is what helps cement it in your mind. Absolutely. And one story that always stands out is the boy who cried wolf. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about that story is there was a few nuggets in there. One, um, you learned about the importance of danger. There is wolves out there. There could be threats. Um, also, the, the idea of your community jumping in and helping you with uh, finding that big bad wolf that might be in front of you. And then lastly, there's a story in there that also teaches kids and people in general not to lie. Because once you lie, you lose trust, you lose credibility, and, you know, it affects your ability to respond. And I think, you know, when you look at that story, it's so ingrained into so many people, the boy who cried wolf. A lot of people can right. recite at least a few elements of that story, if not the full story, completely from hearing it very few times as a kid because of all of the, you know, nutrient dense uh, elements and, 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 and elements in, the, in that story. I used to write blogs for the Fed Bar Association, which is an organization that has a bunch of lawyers. And some of those lawyers were focused on cybersecurity, right? Understanding the concepts, understanding the threats, the malware. And if you're a lawyer, you might not know everything that goes into cybersecurity. You might not know the terminology. You might not know how things work. And so being able to convey a story to those lawyers so that it cements in their mind, because think about it this way. Let's say we go into, an or, uh, into a meeting where we're talking to high level execs and we're saying, hey, we need this money to build out a purple team or we need th this money to bring on EDR for our organization. If you want to be able to convey that information in a way that whenever they go into another meeting, they're able to recall that information, say, hey, do you remember what so-and-so said about X, Y, and Z? If you just give them a PowerPoint presentation with a bunch of information on it, they're not going to sit in the middle of that meeting and be like, hold on one second, I'm going to pull up this PowerPoint that this person gave a little while ago. They want to be able to recall that information on a dime, and storytelling mm -hmm. is going to help you do that. So let's go ahead and break it down. Let's jump into the meat of the matter I'm sure anyone that's watching wants to know, all right, I'm in, how do I tell better stories? And I think, you know, a great place to start is by using a framework, especially mm -hmm. if you're just getting started, you don't know exactly how you want to approach a story. We have a few 
uh, frameworks that we're going to be covering. One is the Hero's Journey mm-hmm. uh, Story Circle by Dan Harmon. If you're a Rick and Morty fan, this one's definitely for you. Even if you're not, it's a great framework. And then also Rags to Riches. I think this is a classic one, especially for a lot of us misfits, misfits in cybersecurity. You know, we all kind of have this Rags to Riches story, a part of our life in one way or another. But let's go ahead and uh, start with the hero's journey. So if you could bring up uh, the hero's journey for us. Great. So the big piece that stands out with any of these frameworks is most of them are broken out into two act or three act structures. There's um, a first act and this is the ordinary world. This is maybe me starting my ordinary day and going about it with a cup of coffee, opening my laptop, you know, starting uh, looking into my threat platforms. And then all of a sudden we move into the second act and this is where we're pulled into adventure. And uh, you might see some explosions. You might see a breach, for instance, in the cybersecurity case. Um, But, you know, there's also the adventure of uncovering what is the significance of that new world that you just stepped into. And then the third act, in a lot of cases, especially for Hero's Journey, and we're going to dive a a bit deeper in this in a second, is uh, your chance to win, win it all, or make it right. But this is also your chance to return back home. A lot of times in any great story, you you hear that the protagonist uh, has changed so much. They've gone through the trials and tribulations, but at the very end, they're really back to square one. They're back to being that person that they are, but with a new perspective. And I think this is a lot of cybersecurity programs as well. You know, we go through this journey and this long adventure of implementing technology solutions to ultimately feel safe once again. We felt safe at the beginning. We want to feel safe after we know that the threat is out there and return back home. Yeah, when you think about the hero's journey, uh, which is written by Joseph Campbell, uh, it's called the the man with a thousand faces, and it's about the hero's journey. And what th- what this is basically implying is that this is the the premise of story. This is the beginning. This is the structure. And of course, there are a few different structures. There's a more simple structure. Uh, one of the simple structures that I like to tell people is. Uh, Normal, bang, new normal. So the normal is, hey, everything is status quo. Everything is happening as it is. The the characters are living their life as, as status quo. And then something happens. Some moment in time, maybe it's an idea, maybe it's a situation, maybe it's an incident. And then all of a sudden things change and you have to go through a journey to then return back to normalcy. And when you think about this from a cybersecurity perspective, think about it this way. Let's say you are working in a SOC and maybe you're a security analyst, maybe you're a security engineer, and you realize that there is something missing in your security posture. You're like, you know what? We haven't really done a lot with deception technology. We haven't used canaries. So now you're going to enter into this journey. Now, one of the things we're going to uh, talk a little bit about here in the hero's journey, but also when we get to the story circle is the refusal of the call. The refusal of the call can show up in many different ways. The refusal of the call is usually in the story, a hero doesn't necessarily want to change because change is hard for human beings. But this is also hard for the audience. If we're talking to someone in an executive position and we're saying, hey, we want to spend $50,000 on uh, deception technology in the form of canaries. And canaries are basically 
applications, it might be tokens, it might be hardware devices that act like normal devices, but when someone touches it, like an attacker, because only an attacker would know that that's an actual thing that's in your environment, it sends a high fidelity alert to someone that says, hey, someone's trying to touch this token or use this token. Someone's trying to touch this device, even though no one should know it even exists. And that will alert someone to a potential intrusion. And so when you're having that conversation with someone and saying like, hey, we need deception technology in our organization, they might refuse it at first. Oh, you know, t- you know, budget's really tight this year. We're having to really pick and choose what we invest in by telling a story, by saying, hey, look, this is what could happen. This is what this will do. And this is how it applies to you and your decision making. That's where all that comes together. So that refusal of the call could be a money situation that you need to circumvent or get around. Um, but the, the hero's journey is really the, the nuts and bolts of a story. It sounds like, you know, this is probably near and dear to many people's hearts because I think this is uh, that uh, refusal always happens for cybersecurity teams, especially during that first presentation, you know, that first Mm -hmm. ask for more resources, new technology, uh, more people or even a change of process requesting a change to your change management process is likely going to be followed with a no or let's come back to that later. If you don't have all of those details, especially and and describe the pain, what is the normal state? Like what would be that new normal as well? Um, or even the bang? Because I think, you know, a lot of times when uh, we want to tell stories in cybersecurity, the explosion isn't necessarily uh, something that you would see in a movie where we're right. drawn into danger. It's an explosion of opportunity, an explosion of success. Uh, one of the greatest things that I've heard, and Chris says this all the time, is security is a business enabler. If you show the business how you can make them more money, that's always a great piece to present to your organization. And you see that more and more today with uh, solutions and um, even security programs looking at SaaS spend, for example, mm-hmm. trying to reduce that spend so they can spend on more uh, more technology solutions or more people um, instead of wasting it all on one resource. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the story circle. And Chris, you're the you're the Rick and Morty fan. Mm-hmm. I'll let you start this one off. I always love your excitement here. All right, everybody <laughs> and that's listening right now, if you have a more intelligent show than Rick and Morty, I want you to drop it into the comments because I think hands down Rick and Morty is the most intelligent show on television. If you look at the technologies that they create in that show, the storylines, even the jokes are just beyond creative. Uh, I want to see who has a more intelligent show than Rick and Morty. Go ahead and drop it in. The Story Circle uh, was created by Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon is one of the creators of the Rick and Morty show. It's a cartoon. It's an adult cartoon, so I wouldn't say necessarily sit down with your children to watch it. But it's an incredible show nonetheless. There's drama, there's comedy, there's action, there's sci-fi, it's everything. Uh, He created the Story Circle because he felt like the Hero's Journey Circle was great, but it's a little complex. And then maybe if you look at the normal bang, new normal, it might be a little simplistic. So then you have something here called the story circle. We were at the Silicon Valley ISSA um, meetup. One of the attendees said, hey, Ron and Chris, I want to do tell stories for four different projects. How do I do that? Start with one circle for that first project. 
many projects that we do in cybersecurity and technology are multi-tier. They require many moving pieces and teams, but you might need to have a different story circle if this is the framework that you're going to be using for different people. One other uh, area that is really exceptional to use a story circle for is when you're in an interview and the interviewer asks you, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your previous history. Mm -hmm. You could use this framework and it almost sounds like you were destined. And a lot of us are. We're destined to do what our personal mission is, what our personal legend is. And a lot of the times for people in cybersecurity, it's the work in the field. We've worked so hard. But describe that story. Where were you at when you first learned about cybersecurity? Did you get hacked? Did you uh, meet someone that completely changed your mind from one opinion to another? Uh, tell that story. Talk about the search, the finding, and also how you took that opportunity. Because a lot of times you can look at this as paying the piper. This is making a sacrifice, making a decision that's really going to change your life forever. And then the other pieces, you can um, mention uh, some elements there, but then start the circle again. That's what I love about this uh, this framework here. What you said is so perfect, Ron, because when you go into an interview and you're saying, hey, I want you to remember me. Maybe they're seeing 10 different people that day, depending on how they do their interviews. If you say, I want to stand out, I wouldn't say go zany and go crazy and, and, and you know wear funky clothes to be remembered. If you want to be remembered, tell the story. Don't just say, oh, I went here, I went here, I went this, I did this, I took this cert. Tell the story. Tell the story of your origin. Bring them into the story because they want to hear what you did. They want to hear the problems that you might have faced. They want to hear how you overcame those problems and what was the big impact. That, my friends, is the story. That's it. We got one more framework and then we're going to jump into techniques. But this last framework is racks to riches. And I think this is one that we all relate to in one way or another interpersonally. And this one is a lot more simple. And I think this is a, a great framework to use when speaking to one person individually. Maybe the other ones, other frameworks might be better for a group. Uh, but with uh, the rags to riches, there's some type of value that is hidden within the character. And the character will ultimately want to obtain that value. In a lot of cases, if you watch documentaries, it's opportunity. It could be money. It could be experience. Um, but there's something deep within the, the, the protagonist or the main character, main element that's found. And then there's a trigger that sets them on that journey. Uh, one of my favorite NBA players is LeBron James. Um, I think that his story, at least in his documentary and also what you see on a lot of media platforms, show rags to riches. He was this kid who was from Akron, Ohio. He had this passion for basketball that was hidden within him. It, he's always known it was there to a certain extent, but it was his coach that helped him discover what was truly within. Then he had this big purpose mission and and um, almost like this magnet magnetism that was pulling him to being a great and exceptional basketball player. Along the way, being a great basketball player means you have to be a great team member as well. This is part of the struggle, trying to uh, obtain that value that that um, protagonist wanted. And then at the very end, you get the recognition. You walk away and as an NBA champion, you walk away as a Hall of Famer. And in the case of cybersecurity, we walk away with impact. We walk away with 
trust. We walk away with also a little bit of that recognition because that also feels good when you're providing a value or a service to your team or for yourself. One of my personal stories, and I'm sure a few people that are listening right now have heard me tell the story before. Whenever I went to Netflix uh, to lead threat intelligence, I really felt like that was like the top of my threat intelligence career. I had been doing it for 10, 12 years at that point, and I had it really dialed in. And I thought, oh, wow, this is why I've received this role is because I have the keys, I have the talents, I have the tools to do threat intelligence for Netflix. When I arrived, I realized that I was completely out of my depths. I realized that the people were different. If you go to Netflix, everyone is unbelievably brilliant. If you look at the technology, a lot of the technology is homegrown and built there at Netflix. There isn't a lot of uh, commodity software that they, they leverage. And then even the processes were different. So everything about that situation was completely different. And that was my trigger. I thought, wow, I, I have no idea how I'm going to make this happen. And so I had to dig deep. I had to go inside and, and find the strength. I had to find the confidence. I had to find the path, the way, the journey in order to bring everything to fruition and then start to get that recognition, to start to make a, an effect. Story frameworks are great. Yeah. Um, they give you a little bit of um, almost like a, a box to put elements in. But that's not the only thing that you need to do. I wish it was, but there's always a little bit of more, a little bit more work. So we're going to talk about the techniques that you can use to deliver the best story. And the first technique is the easiest. It's very simple. Anyone can and should do it. It's identifying your audience. Who in the world are you speaking to? Are you speaking to your stakeholders? Are you speaking to your team members? Or are you speaking to... Um, someone just that wants to know you as a person, how you tell one story is going to be different for all of those options and examples. You're going to tell a story differently to your boss. You're going to tell a story differently to your team members. You're going to tell a story differently to your mom. So understand who it is that you're going to be speaking to and how you can present um, details and concepts to them. Let me give you an analogy that I think will make this point super clear for everyone. Comedy is so subjective, right? Have you ever been watching a comedy special or even been at a comedy show and you're watching this comedian and you're not laughing at all, but everyone around you is laughing their butt off? That's because they are speaking to a specific audience. They might have certain contexts. They might have certain lives or ways of, ways of thinking that resonate to them. And so when they hear that joke, they feel themselves in that joke. But I'm sitting there like, oh, wow, I don't even I don't think this is funny at all. So whenever you're thinking about movies or telling stories, making sure that it's going to resonate with that particular audience is super important. So when you go into that conversation with someone, let's say you're going in a conversation with the COO, the COO is all about logic. How are things tied together? How are processes going to be more efficient? If you go in there spouting a bunch of technical jargon, you're using those acronyms, you're speaking how we speak in cybersecurity, it might not resonate. They might have no clue what you're talking about. But if you start to put con the, the technical information in the context of a business story or an efficiency story or a cost saving story, 
that's when it starts to resonate. That's when they say, ah, I get what you're trying to do. I understand how this applies to me and why this is important for us to execute. And I think you're actually explaining this technique, uh, Chris, right now, and you did earlier as well, but that's to explain technical concepts in simple terms. Yes. I, I could have swore a few weeks ago, you had this exercise you had to go through with the move of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. What were some of the, the ways that you made those technical concepts a little easier to understand for your audience? Right. So the move of vulnerability, which uh, a lot of folks are still dealing with today, uh, was a vulnerability and a file transfer service. And it was affecting a lot of organizations. Uh, Director Jen Easterly, she put something out about it. There was a lot of government organizations that were affected by it. But what it did, it enabled remote code execution. Uh, They were able to propagate uh, ransomware because of it. But whenever you're talking to the general public, they might not understand what all those terms mean. They might not understand what containers are. They might not understand what SQL injection is. So I said, how do I boil this down into a framework that anyone could understand? So the way it was boiled down was, uh, let's say that something gave you access to a locker at a high school, right? Maybe you got access to that locker and you're able to open it. But not just that, you're able to access the entire system of lockers because of this vulnerability. Now you can conceptualize what this vulnerability does and how dangerous it is when it comes to information. So whenever you're able to boil that stuff down to its lowest common denominator, storytelling is not a place where you show how intelligent you are or how big your vocabulary is. Storytelling is the place where you can tell that story and have as many people in that audience understand what you're talking about and be able to internalize that information to take an action or make a decision about cybersecurity, about personal growth and development, about anything in the world. So that's what you need to think about when you're talking about things in simple terms. I think in cybersecurity, we like to jump right into this technique, and that's establishing a clear conflict. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been on sales calls with vendors, and they jump right into, hey, we know that everybody has a problem with EDR, and we're here to solve it. And it's like, hey, well, hold on a second. Like, we don't have to jump right into the conflict. There's a lot of, I think, relationship building that can be done beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that we mentioned just a bit ago was uh, making the story relatable to your audience. Chris gave an example of breaking down something that everyone has been to, high school and having a locker. That is nostalgic. That almost takes you back. I can almost see someone breaking into a locker and then being able to go left or right to all the other lockers because of this one locker. That's a great Mm -hmm. way to think about the story and really speak to your audience. And after you've done that, then you can provide that explosion, that clear conflict. In a lot of cases for cybersecurity practitioners, this is, hey, if we don't invest into in this new technology solution, we have a chance of being breached. We don't want to be breached. Understanding what the clear conflict is, is all about the clear question that you're asking. And then that will help you determine the clear answer. So if you're not able to convey like what the conflict is, what the question is, what are we dealing with at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to get to an answer because they still don't understand the question. So whenever you're trying to say, hey, you know, this is the situation that we're in from a cybersecurity perspective. This is the situation we're in because of uh, the business context. This is why we're here from a security context. Just putting that into a clear 
like almost tangible way is going to make it that much easy to have a conversation beyond that. If you don't understand the conflict and they don't understand the conflict, you might find yourself spinning in circles trying to get something that you don't even understand you're trying to get. If you get out of a, a meeting, I'm sure we've all been there. We've gone into a meeting and we sit there for an hour or so. And then when we get off that meeting, what the heck was that meeting about? We didn't get anywhere. We didn't figure anything out. It's because you didn't establish a clear conflict that you're trying to tackle in that meeting. So that that goes for meetings, that goes for pitches, that goes for briefings. Understanding what the, the so what of something is beyond important. When I did intelligence, we would put the so what up front, right? Sometimes we call it bottom line up front or bluff. We say, hey, this is why this thing is important. And now we're going to go into the justification. We're going to go into the details in the body of the report. But understanding what that conflict is and highlighting it and being very clear about it is going to make it easier to tell those stories. Preach, man. Preach, preach, preach. And I want you to keep rolling because you're on a roll. Let's talk about impact. You created the easy mm -hmm. framework. One of the elements of the easy framework is strive for impact. So go ahead and jump into that. Yeah, when you talk about impact, it's all about taking an action or making a decision for cybersecurity. If you go into an organization and you're saying, hey, uh, I need this funding for this stuff. And they say, oh, you know, I, I don't really get it. I don't understand it. You didn't make enough of an impact. You didn't clarify the impact to the organization as good as you could have. Are there situations where even if you give that impact perfectly, they might still say no? Of course, because there are priorities and your priorities might not be the priorities of the business. But the better you are about understanding the conflict and then understanding what the impact of doing something is, the easier it is you're going to convey the importance that you're allowed to execute this. The, the more important you know that, oh, we need to hire this person. We need to hire a vulnerability manager because we are getting vulnerabilities every single day. We don't know how to prioritize them. We don't know which uh, resources to apply to those priorities. And so we're lost. So we need a vulnerability manager to help manage that. By conveying that, you could say, and of course, we don't want to use fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but putting things into context are super important. You can highlight where you might be failing currently as a company. Like, hey, all of these uh, remediations are red. They're taking way too long. Some of these remediations are 60, 90 days old. But if we had a vulnerability manager, we'd be able to minimize uh, the time it takes to remediate these vulnerabilities. And what could happen if we don't remediate these vulnerabilities? I'm glad you asked. These are the things that could happen. This is what uh, this might look like in the context of our crown jewels. We have these critical assets in our organization. If these critical assets go down, we might be in the newspaper the next day because we are then bankrupt. Again, using fear, uncertainty, and doubt is not good, but sometimes you have to apply that legitimate, realistic context. This is the impact that we can make with storytelling. This is the impact we can make with our initiatives. Where do you provide space for the unexpected in your security narrative? This happens all the time, I feel. Um, mm -hmm. You start your pitch, you start your meeting, and all of a sudden, the meeting has an unexpected turn. And yep. you, your presentation doesn't go as the way that you were hoping it would. I think this is the importance of preparing and also knowing those, uh, being able to get as many of the impacts off of your mind into a document, into a note as possible. Because if you show up and you're ready to only speak about 
what you've planned, that means you haven't assessed your audience to the level that you could have. That doesn't mean you know mm-hmm. where the conversation could go. In a very uh, specific situation, what I like to do is to create a mind map and create a mind map of the story. So I'll mm-hmm. do the full story circle and then I'll also create branches off the circle as to what questions could come up from uh, this part of the story. What, mm-hmm. where, How could someone detour me? The better you understand your own story, the better you're able to handle those unintended situations. And when you think about story, don't think of it as this perfect, contained, untouched thing. Stories change all the time. If you look at something like improv, improv means things are changing on a... Uh, a line by line basis, things change all the time. And you have to be able to adapt to that uh, certain change. If someone says, Hey, wow, why you got those red shoes on? You can't say nah, my, my shoes are blue, you have to roll with the punches. So the more you're able to flex and navigate those stories, the better you're going to be able to handle those unexpected things. We live in a world today, where we have more resources than we know what to do with. A lot of the times we can use something like a book. You know, this is like a classic resource to convey a point. Pulling out uh, a quote from an author always helps convey a point, especially if the author is known. Uh, But visuals are great. You want to re-engage the audience every three to five minutes. If you've been on a three-minute monologue and it hasn't been with lots of body gestures jumping in the air, people are going to start to drift and that's natural. And that's why you use the resources that you have. Um, One thing that I think everyone does, or a lot of people do are graphs. Graphs work as a great visual representation of data, especially Mm because data is hard to remember numbers, columns, rows, those might not be the most relatable, but a graph always helps relate a little bit closer. Um, And if you're ever lost, you can use AI tools now. Things like MidJourney help uh, represent text that you couldn't really represent in an image form previously. You have those tools at your disposal to convey a better message and also tell a better story. Yeah, I would say this is two-pronged. Uh, leverage the, the things to use to tell that story, whether it's an image, whether it's a sound, a video. Leverage all your resources, other people. Uh, but then also, whenever you're having that discussion about you know, trying to do something in cybersecurity or conveying information, leverage all of your resources when you're telling that story, uh, because we're in a economic downturn. So like we were talking about, budgets are being cut. So when you mm-hmm. say, hey, I want to do a red team engagement, and I want to go get the best red team on the planet, that's going to be expensive. But if you say, hey, you know, we're going to find some savings here by leveraging uh, this person that's on the team, and we're going to use that in tandem with said firm for the red team engagement, and that's going to save us money. So leverage all your resources, do what you can on your end, because if you hadn't thought through some of these other pathways, these other uh, rebuttals that you might get from people, it's going to be hard for you to say, uh, I've thought of everything, and this is why we need this stuff. They're going to ask for a justification. They're going to say, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And if you haven't thought through those things, it's going to be hard for, harder for you to convey that story in a way that shows that you know what you're talking about and you know that this is the right way to go. Yes. And really the last area, the last technique that should really speak to everyone and be no secret is practice and refine. Practice, 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 refine. Um, you know, measure twice, cut once. This is always a great thing to do. In my personal life, 
it's been painful to tell stories. And I'll be honest, because a lot of the times when I showed up, I didn't practice. I didn't refine. Mm -hmm. You can't refine without practice. Um, going into any type of presentation where you're presenting yourself as a person, when you're presenting your ideas, it's always important to get one good trial run out. You can call a friend. You can do a live stream. This is a great opportunity uh, for this specific event, Mastering Storytelling and Cybersecurity. We actually went to Silicon Valley ISSA and gave this talk there as well. And we're going to continue to do it because we want to make it better. We want to we want to equip everyone with the resources and the confidence to be great storytellers because we work in the field. Why will we not get better together? There's so much opportunity. And the better that everyone gets, the better that I get as well. 100%. When I started my speaking career, it all began with a, a, a lightning talk at SANS for the CTI Summit. And I just got up on stage. You know, I had some notes that I had wrote down. I didn't use any slides, but I internalized it and I just spoke. And uh, Jen Santiago, she walked up to me. She's like, hey, that was great. You know, you need to speak more. I uh, would love to have you back. And I thought, you know, if, if I'm going to take speaking and storytelling serious, I need to look at every potential uh, avenue for practice. So I went on a tear. I took every speaking engagement that I could. I submitted, uh, you know, calls uh, for papers constantly trying to get additional um, opportunities to practice my, my, my trade craft. Uh, Ron and I, we went to a, a poetry club to give uh, poetry. Right. We did spoken word up on stage. That is another opportunity to tell story. That's another opportunity to, to flex those muscles. Uh, we hired vocal coaches to, to make our voice better, to uh, increase our ability to enunciate, to figure out how do we use our tonality in the best way when it comes to podcasting. We hired uh, presentation coaches where they help not only how do we pull together a presentation and make it appealing to the eye? How do you make a presentation so that people focus on the data that's important? But then also, how do you deliver it in a way that's going to convey to that audience? Do you start like everyone else starts? Or do you start differently to have people locked into you throughout that entire presentation? So it's not just a one and done. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to be a good storyteller. I'm going to tell a story tomorrow and it's going to be great. It's going to be that iterative improvement. We mm -hmm. talk about mastery all the time. Mastery is a journey. Mastery is not a destination. It's getting better every single day, even if it's 0.1% better. It's all about constantly iterating over that thing over and over again until you're great. Again, we really appreciate you jumping on the live stream with us. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.